From New Orleans, Louisiana, it's Empirical's PowerTech Podcast. This is the place where we talk about bringing technology to the power industry. Our goal is to educate you on the most popular trends, bring you actionable strategies from industry thought leaders, and help you make sure your utility is prepared for the future. I'm your host, Matthew Sachs, president of Empirical, former utility engineer and power industry advocate. My name is Kevin Johnson, Director of Business Development here at Empirical. This episode of our PowerTech podcast begins a series highlighting our previously recorded webinar entitled Protection and Control Automation 2021 and Beyond. In this first session, our panelists discuss challenges facing the electric utility industry over the next decade as it relates to protection and control automation. Joining us for today's episode, Senior Staff Engineer with Entergy, Dr. Chan Wong, Principal with Eureka Power, Dr. Deepak Maragel. Editor-in-Chief, PacWorld Magazine, Dr. Alex Apostolov. Professor, inventor, and author, Dr. Sakis Meliopoulos. Amazon Web Service, Energy Sector, Maggie Powell. The Anfield Group and Diligent Robotics, Chris Humphreys. And Director of Cyberical Cyber Engineering, Dr. Nathan Wallace. And our moderator today, President of Empirical, Matthew Sachs. Thank you, Kevin. And I have to say I am honored and very humbled to share this time with such an impressive lineup of experts. Uh, before we jump in, I do want to point out that the opinions expressed by our panelists today are their very own and do not represent any opinions or positions of their respective companies and affiliates. The topics of protection and control automation and the impact of recent technological advantages, uh, advancements excuse me, in our industry are of great importance to any of us working in the field today. So let's get right to our first question so you can hear from these esteemed guests. So number one, what in your opinion is the greatest challenge facing the electric utility industry over the next decade as it relates to protection and control automation? Chan, you wanna start us off? So first of all, I think that I'll pick one of the factors first and then I'm sure the rest of the panel will talk about the rest as well. So I think that the energy business is booming these days, right? And I think, you know, renewables, clean energies and effort like that. Uh, at the same time, I also think that the art of protection and control is very important as well. So we need to raise the awareness to some of the young students that stay in colleges and some of the incoming talent, the importance of protection and control. So to me, one of the great challenges is actually how do we also make that protection control, show the importance of protection control in the energy business. Yes, we have renewable, you have your microgrid, yes, you have EV, but we still need to make sure that those are being well coordinated and protected. So my, one of the, Challenges, I think, is actually generate interest in some of the young talent coming in and to showcase that, you know, how important is protection and control and also what's the role they play in terms of the whole entire utility or energy ecosystem. That's number one. And the other two is also uh, standardization. So I think that, you know, uh, everybody here who is in protection know that sometimes things are a bit uh, different in each utility and each group. So I think that, you know, that's why I call it the art of protection and control. So uh, standardization play an important role, you know, keep it simple, stupid, so-called, which I think we will talk more about it in, you know, later on about how we will think that this will help uh, in terms of, uh, you know, speeding up or showing the, the ease of the, uh, implementing protection and control in the utility grid. Great. Uh, Deepak, what would you say is the greatest challenge? Thank you, Matthew. Uh, no, one of the biggest challenge here is the changing infrastructure for the grid. And this has been along all along. 
on one hand we have a, a quite a bit old infrastructure decades old which is uh, has to be replaced in the years to come again this is uh, you know there's electromechanical relays or breakers or motors and so forth uh, that needs to be replaced on the other hand uh, the grid itself is changing quite uh, extensively you know uh, just with the integration of renewables uh, der's photovoltaics and so forth so as we who in the world had thought you know we have countries where in 50% of the energy is produced by renewables i mean this is a huge change in the way the grid uh, has to handle all of these der resources and i think how do we handle you know what's the best way to manage it uh, what's the optimum way to uh, plan and design and you know put this uh, investments and cost and effort that's uh, in my view is the one of the biggest challenge thanks uh, alex how would you respond well, I can take a couple of hours to respond to this question. Uh, some some of it was mentioned already, but I would say that actually the the management of the grid, uh, because of the introduction of extensive number of renewables, is not uh, the protection challenge. The protection challenge is the behavior of these inverter-based resources that do not produce sufficient fault current for the traditional protection to properly operate. So this is something that we are facing as an industry, finding ways to identify the fault conditions and operate the protection devices to clear the fault. On the other hand, we have a change in the protection automation and control technology. So from the traditional hardwired individual IDs, we are moving into digital substations with 61850-based sample values and uh, goose messages and things like that. And many protection engineers are not comfortable with this technology, especially when we start talking about testing because they're used to physically isolating the protection equipment and connecting the test equipment. And now there is no such physical isolation. We are talking about virtual isolation. So I think the human factor is becoming a very critical issue and we can talk about cybersecurity and a lot of other issues, but it's a wide range of challenges that require uh, a lot of discussions like this roundtable that we're having today. That's insightful. Uh, Sockets? Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, uh, a lot of things that uh, uh, that uh, we face as challenges have been mentioned already. Uh, for example, the, the fact that we have more inverters in the system, more generation through inverters, wind, uh, PV, etc. And uh, to what the previous uh, speakers talk about, I'm going to add another thing. It's not only the uh, the low uh, level fault current that these devices produce. It is also uh, the difference between the traditional uh, generators, uh, what they produce in terms of faults, but, uh, and the inverters. For example, the inverters do not uh, allow negative sequence or zero sequence. And a lot of our protection systems, uh, they use in their logic the presence of negative sequence, zero sequence components to uh, perform the logic and protect the system. 
So this means that uh, we have uh, uh, legacy protection systems that will not operate properly under the present conditions. So that's a big challenge and uh, people are trying to address it in different ways, but really we need uh, new approaches to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, the automation is very important because um, uh, uh, the, uh, the protection and control system has been uh, in um, uh, been automated uh, for the last uh, several decades. Okay. And uh, uh, today is a little bit more challenging because we have all of this uh, uh, renewable en energy that have a lot less reliability than the traditional generation and uh, uh, then generates the need uh, for more advanced automation. Basically, we need to have protection and control systems that think of themselves to protect the system. So we need to move from automation to autonomy, basically to uh, uh, pretty much uh, the relays to have uh, the logic to do that. And as we go into more and more uh, uh, automation and autonomy, uh, we depend more and more on cyber devices. And uh, that brings the issue of uh, cybersecurity. Uh, it is important uh, uh, because the same devices that they uh, contribute to the better operation of the system and can provide solutions to these challenges, uh, the same devices are vulnerable to cyber attacks. Uh, so what we need to, to be thinking about is to combine both the protection and control systems with cybersecurity and have an integrated system uh, that seamlessly, seamlessly addresses both of these problems. I think that's a good segue to our next panelist. Uh, Maggie, how would you respond? Hi, everybody. Um, again, I'm Maggie Powell. Um, and, and I do, before we jump in, I do want to thank everybody for um, including me in this roundtable discussion. Um, and just to provide a little bit of background and a little context around this, because I'll be speaking from um, really from a cloud perspective around it, so maybe a little um, different vantage point. <clears throat> but um, just by way of me, I've been working for AWS um, a little over a year, um, but that was after spending 14 years in the power and utility industry, where I worked on NERCSIP compliance and on security operations for real-time systems. And so from an industry perspective, really there are three drivers um, that we see changing the landscape for the power and utility industry. Um, it's consistent with some of the observations already made, but we call them the three Ds, uh, decentralization, decarbonization, and digitization. Um, and utilities are really seeking to transform themselves with those business outcome-driven solutions, such as those for operational technologies and, and work and asset optimization. Um, so that, that digital transformation that is offering utilities the flexibility and agility really needed to adapt to the evolving demands of uh, grid operations, including management of that growing um, quantity of intermittent uh, renewable energy uh, sources that are being added to the grid, um, being able to optimize the delivery of energy um, to meet shifting weather conditions and customer energy demands, um, and also to ensure that steady, reliable power for customers. So that's just a little context when in, when I think about and consider answering this question. Um, really, it's, it's more of an opportunity than a, a challenge to make protection and control automation part of that digital transformation. Um, you know, such systems built with the agility and elasticity and scalability and resiliency of the cloud is really a powerful resource 
in uh, meeting the changing demands. Um, and, and I'll share an example. So um, we all know utilities have millions of assets which must come together to seamlessly ensure that electric delivery um, is, is given to their customers. Um, you know, assets such as SCADA systems, asset uh, monitoring systems, edge devices, including that protection equipment, um, control devices, and those other sensors that are generating that time series operational data, which in some cases, all that data is not fully captured. And in other cases, it's stored in, in siloed historians or operational databases um, and used for, say, reporting um, and conditional alarming. But if machine learning is added and applied to that data um, through products like Amazon's Lookout for Equipment, utilities can turn preventative maintenance into predictive maintenance by automatically detecting anomalous patterns. Um, and, and, uh, and that can apply to various types of utility equipment. So using information that comes from smart devices with cloud technologies now allows utilities to identify and predict issues um, to save operating costs and improve those reliability metrics. Um, and I'll add, besides increasing that volume um, and the intelligence that comes with it, um, that volume of data, most protection and real-time control schemes are informed by power system models and power flow optimizations. And this is another way that machine learning um, can make a positive impact. For example, um, measured data can be statistically compared with model-based predictions to identify any gaps and improve system models that drive controls in real time. So combining data analytics and machine learning with accurate computations on detailed power system models can reinvent protection and control systems to meet that changing landscape. And since this was a question about challenge, uh, challenges, um, I'll, I'll, I'll add, you know, the biggest challenges for customers moving in this direction um, aren't so much technical. Um, they're really about people and culture. And the most successful organizations that have moved to the cloud have done a few key things that I'd like to share. Um, first of all, senior leadership. The senior leadership team is aligned and committed to moving to the cloud. Um, and I think that holds for new technologies uh, of all types. They set a clear direction and expectations with the rest of the organization to really bring everybody working together towards the same thing. They also start with an aggressive top-down goal, and that forces the, the organization to move um, at a faster pace than it perhaps would organically. And training is really important. Um, training team members on cloud and technologies, making them comfortable with the concepts as part of the whole process. Um, this is really important. And at AWS, we train hundreds of thousands of, of people a year for this purpose. And finally, trying to avoid boiling the ocean, um, not getting bogged down in figuring out how to move every last workload at once. We often work with customers to do a portfolio analysis and build a plan for what to move in a short term, a medium term, and last term. So. A uh, lot of groundwork there, but let me hand it back to you, Matt. Thanks. 
Uh, Chris, what do you see as our greatest challenge to automation over the next decade? Uh, sure, and I'm going to echo. Thanks for having me here, and I'm going to echo everything my 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 counterparts have said here. I agree with them all 150 percent. And kind of you know segueing from what Maggie was talking about. Again, all this engineering and technological advancement and all that stuff is awesome, but you're always going to be hindered culturally by regulation. Regulatory compliance is going to be the hindrance that holds us adopting these things as fully as we need to be proactively. Um, and I've seen that for the last 10 to 12 years, rolling out the first versions of some of these NERC frameworks and the NERC SIP versions, the first few, few versions of that. And Getting people to just be able to spell NIST has been a 10-year process, and it's always been a, hey, we just had all these compliance violations. Let's come in and, and fix it now rather than proactively identifying holistic risk and baking that into your model and that compliance should not ever dictate operational or security best practices until those can be aligned. I mean, the Stuxnet and the supply chain management, if you need any example of, of that, of the pace at which we're, we're responding from our security posture. You know, that was, that was Stuxnet, and we're just now rolling out supply chain management. I mean, at that pace, you know, we cannot rely on regulation. And to Maggie's point, too, the culture is at the sea level is, oh, that's great, all this technology, but am I compliant? And if you can't answer that question first, you're not going to get anywhere. And that frustrates turnover in your operational space and your engineers. And once that cultural bridge is, 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 is built or shortened, um, that's going to be a major, major hindrance. So um, I encourage folks to not wait for the regulatory model to say, yes, we can adopt cloud, or yes, we can do this, or yes, we can do that. You have to get ahead of these things and engage yourself with the regulators in these dialogues to get these things going. Because at the pace at our standards development process, we will never, ever, ever be anywhere near close to current with the pace of technology and threat. We just won't. So until folks see the benefit of being proactive in that sense, because the flip side of the coin is too plausible deniability. They can say, there isn't a regulation that says I have to bet all my third party vendors. There is now, you know, there's this whole, people want to say, oh yeah, we want to do the right thing, but they don't really want to be the first one over the wall because the first one over the wall always gets the bloodiest, right? So we've got to fix that culture. I think that's going to be a major hindrance, especially at the rate we're seeing technology the pace at which technology evolved. It really is. Our, our regulatory model has got to change. And with renewables coming into scope and always trying to expand that regulatory scope, you're just bringing more to the problem, but not fixing how we develop those regulations in the first place. So that's my two cents there. Thanks. I love all these technical experts and we're talking about culture. Good stuff. Uh, Nathan, how would you close that out for the first question? Our greatest challenge. Yeah, the, the greatest challenges I see and, and honestly something that, that I am really, really worried about uh, kind of boiled down to two things, uh, fear and silos. And, you know, hearing hearing all the other panelists talk, it, 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 that's it, right? Uh, it's kind of come on, coming and, and boiling down to these two things, fear and silos. And, you know, the, the fear aspect that I'm, I'm seeing and, and worrying about is this fear over cybersecurity concerns. And honestly, instead of doing an overall kind of holistic risk analysis that considers the operational benefits of the technology, um, you know, instead of taking that level of view, we, we just let the fear of a perceived unknown cyber threat 
just halt, just kind of halt the adoption of these very advanced, uh, extremely beneficial technologies. And Maggie, you, you mentioned it as well, right? The, the One of our industry goals or one of the goals for our industry is this, this goal of decarbonization, you know, adopting more DRs, distributed energy resources. Well, that requires the other D that you mentioned, this, this digitization. Uh, and if we let, you know, some unknown perceived threat, you know, uh, that's in the news, you know, halt our moving forward out of some fear, then then we're not going to ever reach these larger uh, these larger goals of decarbonization, for instance. And and the other challenge, uh, you know, Chan and others mentioned is uh, uh, that I see is the silos. Uh, I know I, I heard that word pop out a couple times there. But just the sheer amount of silos, both cultural and institutional, uh, for instance, and, and this is an extreme, uh, there, there is one state where, you know, they have unions, right? And they have basically unions for their IT personnel and unions for their, you know, engineers. And basically an engineer, there is a clear documented demarcation that says an engineer, a traditional, let's say, relay engineer, can't do anything cybersecurity related even if it is for the relay, right, that, that they're designing, because this word cybersecurity, they, they're not allowed to touch any aspect. Well, this becomes a big problem because there's there's cybersecurity features built into these relays now. Uh, so so the very high level, the two biggest challenges, fear, silos. Uh, and in some ways, this does go back to, to the changing the culture, you know, what Chan, Alex, Maggie, which you mentioned, regarding overall awareness, uh, training and education. And, and yeah, uh, Alex, like you said, doing doing more events like this. Today you heard from leading subject matter professionals regarding challenges facing the electric utility industry. Be on the lookout for our next episode where our guests will discuss where they believe the industry is as it relates to the acceptance of cloud computing as a technology platform for protection and control automation. Well, that about wraps up this edition of the PowerTech Podcast. If you haven't yet, please log in to wherever you've subscribed to the podcast and both rate this show and leave a comment, as that really helps new subscribers in the power industry to find us. Also, for more free insights on bringing technology to the power industry, make sure to visit Ampirical.com. We post free white papers, articles, and all of our previous podcasts there, Plus, you can register for a free 3D strategy planning session call with one of our 3D planning specialists. Again, you can do all of that and much more at Empirical.com. Please stay tuned and join us for the next episode of the PowerTech Podcast. And until next time, keep engineering powerful solutions.